Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 569 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's show, I'll be speaking with Corey. He's an adult living with type 1 diabetes who enjoys riding bicycles, both indoors and outdoors. We're going to be talking about that and a lot more. I, for one, can't wait to find out how he doesn't run into a wall. I mean, how do you ride a bike inside? How do you stop yourself from singing the Queen song, Bicycle, every time somebody says bicycle? While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. How would you like to meet over 16,000 people just like you? You can at the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook group. It's the most unlike Facebook group on Facebook that you'll ever see. Doesn't even feel like you're on Facebook. It feels like you're home. Juicebox Podcast, type 1 diabetes. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Touched by Type 1. Please head to touchedbytype1.org to learn more about them and to get tickets for their 2021 Dancing for Diabetes program, which I'll tell you more about a little later on. Thanks for having me on, Scott. My name's Corey Weibel. I'm a type 1 diabetic, have been since since 1997. Um, really just kind of a, a triathlete. I have competed in, in multiple Ironmans, you know, 70.3s, a lot of different triathlons. Um, and, and, you know, with the pandemic, you know, we were inside. I, I, I really haven't been out much. I haven't raced in about a year and a half. And, you know, just stumbled on, you know, this team type 1 on Zwift. Um, and it's really become kind of my home away from home, you know, being, being able to ride indoors on the trainer and still train for races that I hope happen in 2021. But, um, really it's just become a community of people that are, are kind of like family now, Hmm. um, you know, that, that, that we ride, you know, sometimes four or five days a week with and race, I, I race twice a week, usually every week. So it's, uh. You know, it's it, it's become like a family-like atmosphere um, based out of Facebook and uh, a virtual world where my avatar um, hopefully looks something like me. <laughs> you've uh, said a number of things that have made me think of a lot of questions, so that's good. Um, <laughs> so you've had type 1 for almost a quarter of a century. Yeah. Okay. And I'm interested in how long you've been not just racing on bikes, but doing triathlons specifically. How old are you, too? Uh, I'm 35, about to be 36. In oh, June. oh, you were diagnosed when you were like five, six years old. Uh, I was no, uh, in no, junior no. high school. No, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Wow, my math. It's terrible. <laughs> um, but junior high. So you've lived through it. Like you've come up through a couple of different segments of life with type one. But when did you start doing triathlons? Uh, so I moved back. So I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I moved away after college. Um, and I was just looking, I had gained some weight 
And I was up to as much as 250, 255 pounds. And I'm like, I got to figure something out. Like, because you're not my seven number, feet tall. What's that? You're, because you're not seven feet tall. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I'm six feet. Like I'm, I'm an average dude. I, I mean, my shoulders are built. I have pretty wide shoulders, so I hold weight pretty well. But like in my mind, I knew like, I can't live like this. Do you, um, can I, can I, so ask when you? I, I'm oh, sorry. I don't know. I mean to talk over you. Um, I have interesting questions about that. I think we'll see if everyone else thinks they're interesting. Um, <laughs> 250, 255 on a six foot frame. When did you start thinking? Oh, because I know what you mean about being kind of broader in some places and, and you feel like you carry weight better. And so it gives you that false sense of you're okay. Like what weight yep. did you start thinking like, this is tipping the wrong way for me? Well, I started just getting into running and I would my gym, I lived in Wisconsin at the time and the gym I lived at was, you know, a half mile down the road. So I could run there, do my workout, run back home after work. Um, and I just started weighing myself like once or twice a week. And I got on there. Um, and I was like, man, like, this is a lot more than I thought. And when I moved to Wisconsin, I kind of, you know, I, I had to find a, an apartment to live in. So, you know, for like a month, a month and a half, it was, hey, you know, you don't have a kitchen. It's it's fast food. And then I worked in college athletics. So I was I was working 70, 80 hours a week, some week I was traveling a lot. And when you're traveling, you know, you stop at McDonald's and you eat. Um, and I, so I, I had put on the weight and then there was just that when I finally got settled down and, you know, stepped on the scale, I'm like, man, this is, this is too much. Cause mm. I, I played college baseball, um, okay. at a division two school. Um, and I was never a, a light person, but you know, I played around 200, so 200 to 215. Um, and I just knew that, you know, um, being up that high, even though my A1C was pretty decent, um, it was something that obviously wasn't going to be sustainable. Were you a first baseman? Uh, I was a catcher. You were or a catcher was going to be my next question. Um, interesting. Okay. So when you were on the road working in athletics, you were recruiting, I imagine. Uh, no. So I worked as a sports information director, or director of media and information for a, a division three conference. So I would go to like all the conference championships, handle all the media for that stuff. I see. Um, and so stop it was, at McDonald's. yeah, it was going from where I lived in Wisconsin, sometimes to Iowa or Illinois, and then traveling again in the same weekend. So it was a lot of, a lot of car hours. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was awful. <laughs> it's 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 always interesting to me that the people who are sometimes around very athletic people because of the effort they're putting into it, but not doing the movements that the that the people they're around is that they their their health does suffer for that. They're very sedentary, yeah. you know. Um, watching other people be athletic, I guess, is uh, yeah, is a weird. It's weird to be that close to it and not involved in it. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so you um. So you're running, you run off to the gym, you're working out, you're losing weight, I imagine. And, and this, this to me is very interesting because I'm assuming this leads into doing triathlons somehow. You meet some yep. lunatics in a gym and they're like, you know what we do? And you're like, I'll do that. Was it about like that? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's really weird because I, I don't have any like real life friends that do this. I had just the the school that i worked out of it's called ripon college mm -hmm. they had 
a lot, they had like a bike share program and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And actually a, a friend of a friend was doing an Ironman when I was moving back home. And I'm like, Hey, like that looks interesting because to be honest at the time, like I, I'm a decent swimmer, but it wasn't something I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm an okay runner, but it's not something I'm passionate about. And at the time, like riding bikes is okay, but it wasn't something I was passionate about. So in my mind, I thought, Hey, like I can switch things up through this one event and not be totally bored by everything. So that's kind of the way I got into it. And, um, the friend of a friend that did an Ironman, he kind of, you know, that motivated me to get into it. He didn't continue to do it. So, you know, once I started, I just kind of fell in love with the competition portion of it. Um, you know, at Seton Hill, I played baseball in college and, and we were really good. We actually went, uh, uh, went to the world series one year, you know, I I just needed that itch to be scratched and I'm a pretty self-motivated person. So doing all of this by myself really wasn't a big deal. So it just kind of was like a perfect storm of everything that came together. So you kind of found a way to reignite your competitive yeah, part of you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you ever hear, did you ever hear Mike Tyson tell that story about um, how he got out of shape? And no. He says that, um, that the, the competitive part of him is a monster and he can't, it fe- he couldn't feed it at all. And if he yeah. would, it, he said he knew it would, it would just overwhelm his life. And one day his wife kind of just, you know, gave him a little ribbing about how he was looking. And then a year and a half later, he's in the ring fighting again. He said, it yeah. Was, and, it, and yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like that because I, I know that like when I, when I'm training, like I need to take, like taking time off isn't bad. And I, I struggle with that. Like if I take a day off in a month, like, I feel awful about myself. Like, Oh, I can't be getting better because I'm taking time off. And my wife is always like, Corey, you need to like Slow take down. a day or two and just like, enjoy yourself. Like right. you can't just run yourself into the ground, but what do I do? I run myself into the ground every couple of months and I have to take a couple of days off. And then I realize, Hey, yeah, I probably should have taken this day off. And yeah. it's, it's a constant struggle because I have that competitive nature like i always want to be getting better and finding that little bit of gain right well so Corey, we're not going to talk about your mental illness today we're going to stick on the other <laughs> stuff so um <laughs> although uh it would be interesting um i i i i guess the the thing that that kind of interests me the most about you is the possibilities of what you're about to say based on what i've heard from other people and let me tell you what i mean by that i have found at times that the more athletic people who have type one diabetes seem to know the least about it. Uh, And I know that's going to sound crazy. And I'm sure there are plenty of athletic people who are like, I know a lot about my diabetes. and I'm sure you do. I'm just saying (laughs) that there are times I talk to people who have done something in college or they've been around like scenarios where they feel like the diabetes can't get in the way. So it's always a little better high than low or something like that. And then you talk to them about, like, what's your A1C? And they're like, ah, it's like seven and a half. And I'm like, oh, um, have you ever considered, like, and you, you start talking about diabetes management with them and you realize, like, they don't know anything about this. Yeah. And and um, it's not always, but it has happened enough to me that it feels like a pattern to me. Um, and then they do these amazing things. And I, I don't want to out this person because he's lovely. But I was around a person one time who had done this kind of big thing. 
around athletics, right? And I asked personally, I was like, how did you manage your blood sugar during that? And he said, I just ate a lot of candy bars. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? So are you telling me that you just went out and did this incredibly long range physical thing and then on some sort of a schedule devoured a candy bar? Yeah. And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I did. And I was like, oh, well, that doesn't feel like something I can tell people. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, um, That's not the message. Right. And so because you've lived through a couple of generations of technology, I want to understand where you started with your management, where you are now, and how that's maybe changed or informed what you're doing, or if it hasn't, maybe. Maybe, yeah, so, maybe, maybe Corey, uh, you're about to tell me you eat a lot of candy bars while you ride a bike, but, um, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously, when I first started 97, it was it was shots into the side. Um, and it, it was, it was hard. And back then I'll never forget my doctor when I, I was in the hospital, which I was in the hospital over Thanksgiving. Um, I do not recommend that it was as like a 14 or 15 year old person who Thanksgiving is their favorite holiday. It was absolutely miserable. Um, but I'll never forget the doctor when I was just kind of like trying to understand what diabetes was saying, oh yeah, in 10 years, they're thinking there'll be a cure. And, you know, I sit back now and think about that and I'm like, man, like that was way off. Um, (laughs) but you know, with, with stuff like, you know, insulin pumps and CGMs, um, it's, it it makes a drastic difference. I, I know whenever I got my, my pump, and my CGM, my, my A1C dropped by like a point and a half just by not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really opened my eyes to like how better management just in a simple sense of changing from sticking shots in myself to, you know, putting a, putting an insulin pump on can, can really make a difference. And then it was just, you know, making those tweaks with my doctor, um, you know, every visit, uh, it might not have been a huge tweak, but, um, you know, it's just seeing the numbers and, and not expecting drastic changes. It, it, you know, if I can go down from, I, personally, I like to keep my A1C between like six, eight and seven O and, mm-hmm. and my doctor and I are, are pretty happy if that's where I'm at. Um, but you know, if, if it's like a six, seven, you know, it, it can fluctuate by 0.1. And to me, that's a big deal. And, and the attention to detail and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work and just the information you can get from the pump. Um, I know, uh, I, I typically can have some lows whenever I work out it during the day. So from between lunch and, and dinner, um, so I will let my, my levels run a little bit high if I'm going to be riding, you know, in a race after work, um, that I know it's going to plummet right away and I can take gels or, you know, some carbs pre-ride to kind of smooth that out. Um, but it was a tough learning process. Um, it's, it, it really has been trial and error, mm-hmm. um, and just finding out what, what works best for my body. Cause, um, you know, talking to other you know, diabetics that, that are athletes, some things work for one person. And then the next person's like, no, I can't do that. So, um, trial and error kind of to a point has been, um, kind of where I'm at now in terms of trying to figure out how to do things. If, if I'm doing a longer event, um, so probably about a month ago, I did uh, a six or a six and a half hour ride. Um, and I, 
I, I went in with a plan of what I wanted to do, of uh, what I wanted to eat and when I wanted to eat it. And I was in zone for almost the entire six hours. What zone do um, you try to keep? Uh, so I try to keep it, I try to keep it around 180 or below. So I try to, if I'm racing 120 to 180 is perfect. If, um, but if, if you don't, what happens? Try to figure it out on the fly. I mean, I mean, um, what, 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 uh, what mechanically happens? Say, say you started a race at one forty. Would you get too low at some point? Uh, it, it's a possibility. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if if I go out and run, let's say I'm going out for a run after work today, mm-hmm. I, I could no lie be at three hundred and thirty at the start of the run, and thirty minutes later. I have an alert going off and I'm down in at 80 with no insulin on board. Can I ask a question? Um, Let me ask a question yeah. here. And, and it's the, the answer. Uh, I don't care one way or the other. Um, you don't listen to this podcast frequently, right? Uh, occasionally not, not consistently. Not consistently. Yeah. So I want to, if I can for a second, um, I yeah. want to agree and disagree with you at the same time which will be, okay. be a lot of fun. And I'm sure a ton of fun <laughs> for you having diabetes for 25 years and me not having it. I'm certain you're going to be thrilled by this conversation, but, <laughs> but I, I expect you understand it's coming from a good place. So oh, yeah, absolutely. So I would say that I believe, and I have seen it happen over and over again, thousands of times enough to believe it, that if a person is using a really rock solid basal insulin, meaning that they're, they're, ratios are good and that they yeah. work and by work i mean i mean i guess what i what i mean is that you could not have food for five six eight ten hours and your blood sugar doesn't fall if your basil's yeah. in that space and you have a good feeling for how to bolus for meals pre-bolusing you know not creating yeah. situations where there's leftover insulin after the food's digested stuff like that yep that if you go into something physical that's and you don't have any active insulin going i can't imagine you dropping that far like i believe that you drop a person not you but a person can drop from the 300s to 80 with a lot of activity because you're activating the insulin that's in your body yeah right right and that kind of thing and and again I, i don't know what you're doing like i might be talking about like one level of activity and you might be carrying a a boulder up a mountain. Like I'm not, I'm not saying (laughs) that, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But there's, there is some balance to be found in there and God, this is probably not what you expected, but I, a lot of type ones who have had diabetes for over 20 years that, that had it for so long before the, the technology existed. I feel like they're chasing more than they need to be. Yeah. And does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And I just think it gets hardwired into you at some point. Like that idea of like, oh, when I'm active, I drop. Or when yeah. I do this, this happens. And you said something earlier that sparked this whole thought in me. But you're so good at telling your story, I couldn't jump in anywhere. Uh, but you said that some people have one experience while other type ones have a completely different experience. And we take that as like, gospel for some reason gospel yeah people have these anecdotal like experiences and then one person will say well i can do this and the other person will go well i can't that doesn't work for me except we don't have any background on either of these people do one right. is, is one of them using 
significantly too much basal insulin and hardly any bolus insulin is one of them, you know, is one of their basal insulins like being significantly underused. And so they're bolusing constantly and they're dropping all the time. Nobody knows how to talk about it granularly. And so that a lot of their experiences, and I know this just speaking about management and maybe taking it out of diabetes in general, but a lot of times people's experiences aren't that valuable to know because you don't know the other details surrounding them. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, you just know a small percentage. It's not enough to know if they're right. It, it's like anything yeah. else. Like there's, you know, any news story you see or a, a, a story your neighbor tells you, like, oh my God, the guy two doors over, what a jerk, blah, 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 blah. You go talk to the guy two doors over, he goes, he parks his car on my lawn. You, you, you know, and you're like, <laughs> you're like, really? He goes, yeah. I mean, I come out and his car's parked on my lawn. I say, hey, can you move the car? And now I'm talking to the neighbor. He's like, hey, he's always upset with where my car is. And I'm like, yeah, see, we don't have enough of this story here and i just, yeah right it happens so often when we're talking about diabetes it's the oh this is a certainty or this happens to me and then people share it online and then suddenly they think it's a rule and yeah and that to me is i think that's sometimes how we get where we are which is that is that it's just anecdotes built on top of anecdotes that then make rules in people's heads that they believe are true and then they're self-fulfilling prophecies sometimes. And I'm not saying yeah. that activity doesn't make your blood sugar fall. Obviously, right. obviously, you know, high level looking at it, that's what happens. And I don't have any reason for saying that to you other than I just wanted to say it. Like, I'm not like you should change your life, Corey. I don't, I don't care no, no, that. no. Yeah. It's okay. And, and yeah. to be honest, probably, probably part of it that plays in it is, I mean, it's scary as hell whenever, you know, I'm out on a, especially on a run when I'm away from home yeah. and I think, hey, you know, this has happened to me in the past because, you know, I could do, um, you know, when I wake up in the morning and maybe do a morning ride that I'm fasted, um, I, I could, I, I don't drop at all. Yeah. Um, but it's it's the midday stuff and the 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 post work stuff where I, I I've been I've had zero onboard insulin and you know I haven't eaten in you know, three or four hours and I'm just tanking mm-hmm. and I I've gone to my doctor and I've, I've taken examples like from my pump and showed it. And I I'm begging, I'm like someone like help me understand this. Cause I'm trying to understand it, but of course. I, you know, am I missing something? Am I too close to it? And I've been trying for, you know, a couple of years to try and figure it out. Cause it's a scary thing. If I'm, you know, a couple miles away from home and, you know, I'm tanking and I'm 50 and no one's around. Like it feels like you're about to dial by yourself. Yeah. Out running around. Right. Well, I'm not scary. Obviously I don't have context for that and I'm not, I would, (laughs) and I'm not, and I'm not minimizing at all. I would say that there are sometimes there are things that you don't think to think of like, like end of the day, like the end of the day when people's blood sugars fall, like after work, which I think is fairly common. Right. Yeah. Because I've been able to watch it in another person, what I will tell you is, is that being alive creates a level of stress and anxiety that no one's aware of. And I mean being out in the world, being at school, being at work, driving, and that requires more insulin. And so you have this bigger baseline, this heavier baseline of insulin that lives in you all day long while this is existing in you. Maybe it's adrenaline from like having a crappy boss or like, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? Like somebody's yelling at you all day. And then you leave that place and you experience this like, oh, I'm out of there. 
And then all that goes away. And again, you have too much insulin in you when that happens. Yeah. And then there you go. I had to, I learned when my daughter was in school that I'd have to keep pushing to keep her blood sugar where it was, pushing with insulin, but that there was a moment in the afternoon that she had to eat or that we had to create a temp basil that was that was completely void. It was gone in order to create, and Corey, this is because you don't listen too much. So like what I would, do, my thought would be this. She's going to get low, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry, at 3 p.m. Yeah. There's an amount of carbs she could eat at 2.30, 2.40 that would stop the low at 3 p.m. from ever happening. Yeah. Or we could completely eliminate her basil from like, well, I forget how we used to do it, but probably about from like one fifty to 3 o'clock. So you take the basil away for about an hour or so. Yeah. And then it creates a black hole in the future where the basil doesn't exist. And so when the low comes and it tries to fall, normally it would be propelled by the existing basil, but instead right. it gets caught by the sheer fact that there's no basil that exists in yeah, the future. Yeah, there's nothing there. Yeah, and it's 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 trippy to think about it that way for some people, but you it is it's like time travel. Like I always say that the the insulin you use now is for later, but a more specific way to think about it is that the insulin you used before is for now. So right. similarly, the insulin that you took away before impacts now the same way. And, yeah. and that kind of stuff is, listen, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm a person who cares about a child who has nothing but time to like look at these things and then figure out little ways to manipulate insulin to make it work. <laughs> An adult trying, I'm sure you have like a wife and a home and yep. might have kids. A, ba- a baby, a baby on the way. Congratulations. So, yeah. 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 And, and like, so you're busy. <laughs> You're not sitting around yep. like I am pulling on your your mustache going, I wonder if. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard for people. And it's why you go to the doctor and you say, please help me. And they go, I don't know. You get low in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yes. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, anyway. it's frustrating because yeah. I would like to toy with, toy with some stuff, but you know, it's, it's a scary thing, you know, when you get, I, I've never had to go to the hospital because of a low or anything, but you know, my wife's had to help me at, you know, overnight, you know, mm-hmm. you know, she's had to help me once or twice overnight and, you know, it's, uh, it's terrifying and it's tough to explain because, you know, people just, I, I don't want to say they don't understand, but it's just something that's, it's hard to articulate. Yeah. Um, and, and you can't, because my wife will look at me and you know, she'll see, you know, I'll tell her I'm low and she goes, well, how do you feel? Like, she asked me about a month ago, like, how do you feel? Like, what does it feel like? And I tried to tell her and I'm like, you're never going to understand. Like, I love you more than anything in the entire world, mm-hmm. but like, you'll, I, I could never articulate that to you. A friend of mine like you, yeah, said that it feels like her mind is racing, but her body's going very slow. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and there's just no good way to explain it. Like, I wish I could, but unless you have type one, like you, you just, even, even she asked, like, I know when my blood sugar is going high, like I feel that mm-hmm. she said, what does it feel like? And I'm like, I can't explain it to you. Like I can try, but like, it won't even come close to like what I feel and yeah. how it is. Corey, I listen for a person who does not have diabetes at all. I am in and around it as much as anybody. And I have 
thousands of hours of talking to people that have both been recorded and haven't been recorded. And I've heard people say a million different things. My daughter has type one diabetes. I've seen adults and children be low and adults and children be high. And I still have zero context for what it means yeah. to you. Givoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Givoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to givokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Givoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit givokeglucagon.com slash risk. Touched by Type 1's annual dance show, Dancing for Diabetes, is coming up quickly on November 13th at 7 p.m. You can get tickets at touchedbytype1.org. It's an in-person live event. You get to go to a theater and see a whole dance program. It's very reasonably priced as well. You should check it out. Touchedbytype1.org. Click on Programs. Click on Dancing for Diabetes. And there you will see words like... The 21st Annual Dancing for Diabetes Showcase features award-winning dancers raising funds to support those touched by type 1 diabetes. November 13th at 7 p.m. in the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts. And then you just click on Get Your Tickets, and then it tells you more about it. Touched by Type 1 presents Dancing for Diabetes on November 13th at the Walt Disney Theater. And then you click a little more and you have tickets and you go out and have a great time. Touchedbytype1.org. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. I, I could never possibly understand it because it's um, you're altered. You, you know what I mean? Like your, your, yeah. bra your brain is not functioning correctly. And therefore all the feedback you're getting is skewed and wrong and not something people are used to seeing. It's, it's like trying to describe being high to somebody who's never been high before. Like, what does that feel yeah. like? You know, it's the, I meant drugs there, not blood sugar. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I got that. Yeah, yeah. Corey's <laughs> like, I know, man. I went to college. Calm down. And so, um, but but no, I, I I get what you're saying, and I get your concerns. I and I and maybe, and maybe there's no answer for people who have had to live this long without the technology. Like maybe there is no answer. Maybe that fear is just so grained in and and well earned. By the way, that. You just don't want to break free of it. But I will say something. I don't think A1C is the measure of your health. I think that um, limiting vari variability of your high and low blood sugars is a good measurement yeah. of your health. But A1C is an indicator. I would say to you that there are about 25 episodes of this podcast that are specifically maintenance. If you listen through them, I imagine your A1C would be in the fives inside of six months and you would experience fewer lows while you were exercising. Okay. That's that is my guess based on what I have seen happen to many many other people and the responses yeah. you're giving me and the thoughtfulness you have around diabetes. So, yeah. You don't need to do that. I'm just saying that I I I know people who have competed in Olympics that are doing strenuous things, like very strenuous long-term things, and their blood sugars don't fall while they're competing. Right. You know, and it's, it's yeah. that kind of balance that I'm talking about. But that's not the point. You, I, I, please stop <laughs> bullshit about this. Um, 
you do something that I don't, I can't wrap my brain around. So like a triathlon includes bike, swimming, and running. Yep. Yeah. You swim, then you bike, and then you run. What if I told you I didn't plan on doing all three of those things in the rest of my life, let alone on the same day? <laughs> when 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 I first told my friends I was doing it, that's the exact same thing they said to me. Yeah, that's my honest answer. That's why they said it. Correct. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that sounds horrible." When you said you run to the gym, I was like, kind of an insane person. And then I thought, well, that makes total sense. Like, yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, so what is it? How do you prep for it? Like, and how do you, and what is the day like when you're in a triathlon prior to COVID? Yeah. Prior to COVID, I mean, it's, you know, you, you set out a plan and, and you, you know, it's kind of like diabetes. You, you know, you set out a plan to be as successful as possible and, and you stick to that plan. You know, you deviate when you need to. Um, usually I, I, I work with a coach. Um, so usually I have a plan set up, you know, one to two weeks in advance. I take a look at it based on my life schedule. If I need to, you know, swap something out here or there, but um, you know, it's usually getting to the pool two or three days a week, um, running three or four days a week, and then, um, you know, biking, you know, right now I'm biking five or six days a week. Um, you know, a lot of times that's, uh, Hey, I have to get up before work and do one of the workouts, maybe do one at lunch, or if I can't do one of those times, it's after work. And then, on the weekends, obviously, it's, uh, you know, there's more time to do some things. So that's whenever I would get in, wow. you know, a longer run or a longer bike. But, um, you know, a, a lot of time management and just trying to fit something in when there's some time in the work schedule and in the personal life schedule. And is that that time is spent? This might sound like such a simple question, but you're building muscular, like, Look at how I'm fumfering for words, but you're building your body in ways that it'll be able to do these things. You're building up um, a resilience to it and and you're growing towards a longer distance. Yep. Correct. And there is some, some short burst stuff sprinkled in there, but yeah, it's mostly endurance, um, endurance workouts. And, And while I'm not asking you exactly where you work, what kind of work do you do that you have? Like, I'm, I'm fascinated that you have the time to do this. So like, how do you make that work? So it, it's really nice because I actually work, I work four 10 hour days and I'm a full-time work from home. So I have every Friday off. Um, so when I say, you know, go work out at lunch, um, my basement, I have a bike trainer. Uh, I have a Wahoo kicker. So my, my actual bike is on that and I can just jump on there, go on Zwift um, and get a workout in. And then all I have to do is walk upstairs, jump in the shower for five minutes and, and I'm back at my work desk here. Um, when I was working in the office, it was a little more difficult, but, you know, being, being a work from home person, you know, I can take, you know, 20 minutes here over lunch, or if I have a longer lunch one day and I, I was able to start work early, I can get an hour workout in over lunch or, you I know, see. just step out my front door and go for a quick 45 minute run. Um, and that's that's nice. kind of helped a lot um, you said- rather than just being able to, you know, drive to work, drive back. And then most of that time it would be workouts, you know, strictly after work. Yeah. So you can kind of use commuting time and, and other dead time that, yeah. that exists during the day when you're at, a, at a, an office job that you don't think about. Yep. Um, you said Zwift. Is that, I'm, I apologize, but is that like Peloton? Like, is it a, is it like an online platform where people ride together 
or is that not yeah what it is? so yeah so it's a kind of they consider it a multiplayer online cycling platform um so you, you know you have an avatar um you have a, a smart trainer that's hooked up to uh, i run it off my computer mm-hmm. um and then as you cycle you know on the bike trainer uh, your avatar moves you know as hard as you're you know pedaling um and cycling you use watts um and that's you know how uh it dictates how fast you go mm-hmm. um how far you go um, so if you're going up and what's nice about Zwift is it, it's, it's a virtual world, um, but it simulates real life gradient. So if in the game, you're going up a 5% hill, the game will talk to your smart trainer and the resistance will ramp up as if you're going up that 5% grade, um, in real life gotcha so yeah it's it's like riding outside you know quote unquote right it's like riding outside but you know you can do it from the basement so if it's pouring down rain outside or if it's snowing i can get a comparable workout mm-hmm. um on the game as as i might outside i'm laughing and i don't know why but i'm imagining that there's somebody who can ride a stationary bike who couldn't ride on the road who's like an amazing person on zwift that if you took them outside they'd be like ah I don't know why that. Oh I, no, <laughs> you're you are one hundred percent correct. Oh no, kidding. Uh, you know, pe- pe- people that you know do this type of stuff. There, there are people who are strictly professionals at racing in Swift, hmm. and you know they might race outside, but there there are certain things in the game that you can be really, really good at. Yeah. Um, like if if you're a good sprinter and have good top end watts you can be really, really good at specific things in here. You might be good at that outside, but you know, a team might snatch you up because you are a great sprinter because that can be used in certain aspects of the races. So um, it's, it's the same in some sense, but uh, you know, in other sense, it's, kind of a lot different. If that makes sense. I enjoyed your answer and I was delighted by being correct. (laughs) 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 I thought I was being silly. And then all of a sudden I was like, am I making a point? Excellent. No, Uh, because yeah. So when you're on a bike trainer, you're not, because when you ride a bike outside, you have to have the ability to balance yourself as you're riding outside. So you're utilizing a lot more of your core. If you're on a bike trainer, you don't have to have that. So, you know, bike handling skills when you're racing outside is a pretty significant thing. And, you know, some people, you know, if if they're racing or riding inside on Zwift, they don't get that, that quote unquote practice on bike handling skills. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, certain types of races outside bike handling skills are super important. Um, okay. you know, in an yeah, Ironman bike leg, it's, you know, it's important, but it's not that important, but there's races like criteriums where it's basically all out for 40 minutes around, a, you know, sometimes sharp turns, you know, that could, that could be a pretty significant, um, you know, safety hazard sure. if you can't handle your bike on the road and, you know, cause an accident. In, so in a triathlon, um, how fast do you think you're riding a bike? Uh, you know, probably between you know, top end, depending on the course, how flat it is or how hilly it is, you know, top end, 
you know, 30 miles an hour, yeah. you know, probably average around 20 to that's, 22. That's fast enough um, to hurt yourself if you fall. That's for sure. Um, hey, quick question. It's going to sound silly. I apologize. Is this, and I'll bleep it out later. Is this hard on your, like, you know, your bits and pieces and stuff like that? Like, it's it's funny you ask that because I just had to go to the doctor today because um, I, I've had a saddle sore. So not necessarily my bits and pieces, but um, I, there, there is, I, I did have to go to the doctor today because of something that I kind of have ignored and not taken care of. Corey, did you find yourself having to expose your butt to a doctor today? Uh, yeah, I did. So yeah, that was a great time. Uh, yeah, big, it was a great time. Good doings, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, uh, it doesn't fit here at all, but I told a story on the podcast one time where I went in for a physical and, um, was told that it was like a, a visit with the doctor. I was told I was going to visit with the doctor for 15 minutes and then I was going to make an appointment and come back for a physical. Yeah. Well, well, apparently that was relayed to me improperly. So I was going to a physical, not, <laughs> which is fine. But I, I mean, I, I, listen, I'm 50. I was going to a physical. I, I know what the physical yeah. is going to be, but I didn't think it was happening in that moment. Luckily I was prepared, meaning I didn't like, you know, you know, run from the gym or something and then like show up. So I was, you know, prepared and clean and et cetera. And, I sit there and I think we're just supposed to be talking and we're chatting away. And then he tells me to take my pants down. And I was like, kind of weird interview is this? Like, you know, <laughs> and and then before I knew it, I was having small talk with a man who was, um, you know, he's sticking his fingers in my ass, Corey. And, yeah. uh, and, and I, was, I was not ready for it. I did not know it was going to happen. And so your saddle sore is not making me laugh because I have a lot of empathy. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, even for ladies, I would think that they're, I mean, what's a word that like adults use? Like they're a hey hoochie nanny. Like I would imagine that's tough with that seat, right? Yeah. So um, a, a bike fit is really important, okay. you know, whether you're riding outside or whether you're, you know, you're riding inside on a trainer um, that usually can cure things. So really what mine came from was um, my saddle was really old and okay. it had worn away at the edges to the point where I was putting pressure on 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 a part of my on a part of my butt that you know typically wasn't getting that pressure i was gonna say it wore um, away at the saddle and then it wore away at your ass that's <laughs> yeah it, and that's exactly what happened so no you know, since i've gotten the saddle but um you know it, it's it's basically you know a saddle sore is just like a, a pus filled bump that you that you get well underneath of that I'm thinking that I have a cyst there oh, I see. and you know, that might have to be surgically taken out, you know, for me to get better. This so. Bike riding is going to kill you. And by the way, yeah. I, if you want to look inside of my mind, I'm not bleeping. Hey, Hoochie nanny later, but I might, I might, <laughs> I might bleep out pus filled because it made, me, it made me feel terrible when you said it. Um, well, that's, that's, well, listen, it's amazing. I hope it, it heals for you quickly and that you don't need surgery for certain. Um, yeah. Have you ever done an Ironman and completed it? Yeah, I've done two of them. Do you have the um, tattoo? My first one, I, to be honest, it's been so long that that I can't remember what. I think 2014, mm -hmm. I did Ironman Louisville, and then 2016, I did Ironman Maryland. But do you get the tattoo? Uh no, I do not. Did I your, do not. Did have your wife a tattoo. tell you not to get it, or did you think it was a a weird move? Uh, I actually was going to, mm -hmm. and so I don't have any tattoos to begin with. Right. Um, not that I don't like them. It's just. I never had anything. You don't that, have to apologize for it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I, I had some picked out that I was going to do. And then, 
it just kind of, you know, slipped my mind. And this is the first, you, you bringing it up is the first time I've thought about it in multiple years, right. which tells me that I probably should not do it. Yeah. You really don't care. I, I genuinely believe that I know people who did an Iron Man just to get the tattoo. So yeah. Um, oh, I believe that. <laughs> so that's it. I uh, don't fundamentally understand any of that, but um, <laughs> it's still, it's amazing. So you, so in your note, you said that there's a so I guess this 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 with platform allows you to build teams and etc. And you said you guys have one that's just for type ones. Yeah, so uh, it's it's actually a Facebook group. It's called Swift Team Type One. Okay. Um, and when the pandemic started, I was just kind of looking for, you know, a, a group. I had read on a message board. Um, like a triathlon message board that, Hey, there's this type one group, you know, someone had asked a question about type one diabetes. that was kind of out the left field and someone put in, Oh, Hey, you should check out this Facebook group. Um, it's, it's Zwift team type one. So I went in there, uh, it's a closed group. So I just had to put in that, Hey, I am a type one. And, um, it's, it's a, uh, it's a group of, you know, over 2000 people that either have type one or have a close friend or family member that has type one. Okay. Um, to be honest, it's mostly type one diabetics, mm-hmm. um, about probably about 75% type one diabetics. And then, um, as a spinoff to that, there's a race group, a race team type one that kind of handles all of the racing stuff. So if you just want to race, you can join that also. Um, and we put together teams, um, that, that do, really, really well with a a large majority of the teams typically being, um, type one diabetics. Okay. Wow. That's really cool. So you guys just, uh, it that's, so you're together virtually though. Like you've never, do you even, would you know one of those people if you looked at them? So actually through this group, I met uh, a kid that's type one diabetic that lives 15 minutes away from me here in Pittsburgh. So, you know, I'm going to, you know, when, when things get a little bit better outside here, I'm going to join him for some group rides and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really been cool. I, you know, on the, on the type one group, you know, people are going in there and, you know, we have a, a guy that travels for work and when he travels to a different city, if there's one of us that, that lives there, he's like, Hey, let's go out for a bike ride. Yeah. Um, you know, we have people meeting each other in real life, um, off of the group. And it, it, it's really cool whenever, you know, you're traveling somewhere, Hey, is anybody from here and, you know, getting together for group rides and stuff. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's way more than I expected whenever I, whenever I started. That's listen, I think that's amazing. I also think that after that baby comes, if your wife lets you out of the house to go for a bike ride, I'll be amazed. <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh, you, you, So, you know what the worst part is? I actually signed up for two half Ironmans um, last year that got bumped to this year. Mm-hmm. The first one is a week before her due date. And the second one is two weeks after she is set to give birth. Yeah. So those sound um, like when you go to those, that'll be the reason she leaves you 15 years later. <laughs> so, so you'll be uh, standing those, in a courtroom already. Those are already yeah. canceled. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> or you'd be standing in a courtroom in your late forties going, wait, are you still mad about that? And she'd be like, Oh yeah. hundred percent. I am actually, she, she's the one telling me, Oh yeah, you could, you could go do that one two weeks Corey, after I'm like, Corey, are Corey. you effing kidding me? Corey, like, there's no are, way I'm leaving. Tell me something. How long you've been married 
Um, got married at the end of 2019. That's a trap, Corey. Let me let's lay. I'm a veteran. I'm gonna tell you something. Or no, right at now. the end. No, I'm sorry. She's gonna be mad. 2008. Don't worry. She's testing you there. You can go. <laughs> sure, go ahead. It's no problem. You're supposed to then say, no, of course I would never go then. That's a Oh, that's exactly what I did. Oh, that's a trap. That would be like if she's like, you could, you know, go out with one of my friends. I'm okay with an open. She doesn't mean that. <laughs> Corey, she doesn't mean that. That That's not okay. You can't yeah. do that. No, 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 no. You're smart. You took care of that very and, well. And I, I wa- So I was originally right. November November 2019. Yeah, God, yeah. I'm so bad at this. Say your blood sugar is low right now. Hey, Corey, is your blood yeah, sugar yeah, low? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm going to play it off. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're fine. Don't worry about that, Corey's <laughs> wife. He knows when you got married. Relax. Um, no, seriously, I would never, ever do that. That's like my, one time my wife was, I was looking at a car and she goes, you can get that. And I was like, I waited like four more weeks to make sure she really, really meant it. Because yeah. what if this was one of those? Well, that's things? the thing. So, so whenever you go, and especially the bigger races like Ironmans and seventy point threes, we we treat them as a small vacation. So we'll leave on a Thursday. The race is either a Saturday or Sunday. So we take it as like a Thursday through Monday thing. Yeah. Um, and and my, my my wife just loves to go. You know, as I'm racing, she's beating other people. You know, spectators and stuff. She'll. She used to just, you know, post up at a bar on the, you know, on the, uh, right by the race and she'll follow me around. And I couldn't ask for a more supportive wife um, she seems in, in terms of this. It's, it's pretty insane, but yeah, we, it, it's, it's a whole thing. So we'll go a few days early, check out some sites around places we go to. We'll stay a day or two after to see anything we want to do together. So um, yeah, it's turned out pretty well. Corey, listen, let's take a pause here while all the married people who are laughing at you, uh, <laughs> who have older children and think that you think that's going to be your life as you get older. Let's let them settle back down and wipe the tears out of their eyes as they're driving. You yeah. guys got to be careful while you're driving. You can't just start crying like that. No, Corey, listen, I think that's really amazing. And, um, if you can keep that going after you have kids, then you should write a book because that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, <laughs> seriously, I, I, and I'm jealous of your if I'm being honest, I'm jealous of the fact that your passion also leans into your health. And that's really kind of great. You, you know what I mean? Like to have a thing that's doing two things at once, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fueling a passion. It's, it's giving you a hobby. It's keeping you healthy. Like I, that, that's really terrific. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been good so far. Yeah. What kind of pump are you using? You said you had a pump, but you didn't tell me which one. Yeah, so I, I have the 670G. I was going to say, you're on Medtronic. It's right in that part of the country. Um, is that the automatic one? Is it the... Um, yeah. Is, it, it is making those decisions for you. And it's yep. keeping you at like a 6.7-ish, 6, 6.8, 7. Uh, I, th- I think my last was 6.9. A 6.9 with very minimal lows. So, right. Um, does it allow you to override it? Like what yes, if you what if, like what if you woke up today and you were like, damn it, I want my A1C to be six. Is did can you see how to inside of that system how to manage that? Uh, I I would probably turn off. It's it's called auto mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I would turn that off and just be able to to tinker with it myself. Yeah, gotcha. That's a a rousing um, <laughs> it's a rousing uh celebration for auto mode. You know what I would do? I would turn that auto mode off. Well, so, so yeah, so so auto mode. I used to have trouble with with overnight lows, mm. um, and and it it made them non-existent. 
Um, so I was really happy in that, like during the day, it can be a little iffy, but I'm actually, um, I'm up on my warranty at the beginning of the year. So I, I have a endo appointment in July and I'm going to toy with the idea of, of possibly moving on. If something else makes sense. It's a fun um, time for you. It is like, what's yeah, that? it's a fun time. You could be tandem IQ. You could go Omnipod five. There's so many options now and you get to move yeah. to the Dexcom sensor, which from what I hear is um, a better experience maybe than the, the Metron. Yeah. And, and that's, what's really nice about like the, the type one group too. Like probably every couple of weeks, someone's coming on like, Hey, what do you think about this system? And I just kind of save those conversations yeah. for when I'm going to sit down and really, Make you know, decision. decide if I want to stay with Medtronic or go somewhere else because, you know, people are putting in, Oh, I have this system and they're given pros and cons. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to me, there isn't anywhere else that, that I can think of that I can go where I get people that are wearing, you know, any system that's available, um, there's going to be at least multiple of them or who are in that thread talking about it. So, yeah. um, it's going to be a, a good source of information, Plus, you know, over the next couple of months when, yeah. I, when I start to seriously look and see if I want to change. Well, plus they're living a similar lifestyle as you, which makes it even yeah, more exactly. beneficial to hear from you. you. would love the Facebook page for this podcast. Maybe it's, um, I think it's up near like 11,000 listener, uh, listeners are in there and they're just talking about management stuff constantly. Oh yeah. No, yeah. I'll have to join that. Cause yeah. I, yeah, I didn't know. It's yeah, fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, that was I, a group, but I'll, I'm definitely going to join that. I'm enjoying talking to you because you are mostly unaware of me and the podcast and all that stuff. And there it, it's nice because there are some times when people come on and they're just so aware of it that, you know, the conversations take a different turn because sometimes yeah. they're, they're here to like say thank you sometimes and which is lovely. And I don't want to say yeah. it isn't. So, but, so yeah, yeah. So I came across your podcast th- most, to be honest, mostly through the athletic stuff. So mm-hmm. I've listened to all the, all the athletes you've had on and things of that nature. And yeah. I listen to so many podcasts and I have so many downloaded and waited to go that I've been waiting to listen to for years. It's just sometimes tough to get to them, but uh, you know, I've always enjoyed what, what you've done so far. And yeah, I, I do want to listen to some of those management ones Thank you. Um, th- that you had mentioned earlier. I also, I, I'll tell you about them in a second, Corey, but I appreciate how you said so far. I always like that when um, it makes me smile when somebody's like, they say something nice about you. They're like, so far, everything I've heard is been good. <laughs> In case you've said something, I can't guarantee it, Scott. I can't guarantee. Well, yeah. It in case forward. you've said something crazy that I don't know about, I don't want to attach myself to it. I don't. Want, <laughs> I don't want to be like this guy. Everything he says is genius, and then I got to pick up my phone one day and hear you talking about some crazy conspiracy theory or something yeah. like that. Yeah, no, that was lovely the way you slipped that in there. You're like, you know, the stuff I've heard. I'm okay saying I listen to <laughs> so, so far, my friend. Um, did this go anywhere near the way you expected or is it, did you not have an expectation for this? I, I really didn't have an expectation. Good. Now I thought, I thought it was, I, I'm not kicking you off. I'm just, I thought it was great. I, I enjoyed talking to you. I know that. Um, so for me, I'm in an, I'm in an odd predicament you know, in these conversations, you've had diabetes for a very long time. You've, like I said before, have had experiences that people who have been diagnosed in the last five or 10 years even have not had. Um, You've had more experiences that people diagnosed in the last three or four years have not had. Like you've lived through iterations of what it meant to have type one diabetes and you get all those experiences. And then all this technology comes along 
and these ideas. Like, I mean, honestly, can you try to think back to 20 years ago? You're going into high school. I'm a doctor, and I pull you aside, and I go, Corey, what I want to do is create a black hole of basal insulin two hours in the future so that when you get, <laughs> like, you'd be like, what is uh, what now? You, you know, and none of that existed because nobody had CGMs. They couldn't see what was happening. They couldn't suss out where things were going right and going wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, but you fill a very soft spot in my heart when I'm talking to you because I have a friend who's passed away who has had who had type one diabetes since we were kids. We were 18 or so. And he died for certain because of his type one. And he, you know, he grew up um, managing the way you would manage in the late 80s. Um, and he never really ventured away from it. He never really thought more or less about it. It was always better high than low because, you know, I get dizzy or I fell out of bed one time or, you know, like that, those kinds of things. And then the technology came along, the better insulin came along, and he just never sort of came along with it. And yeah. if I tried to talk to him about diabetes, it like try to imagine just the angriest conversation you could, right? Like he would take it as poorly as you could expect. There, and and, yeah. and only because we loved each other and knew each other for so long could I even get a couple sentences into, hey, I think you might like this Dexcom thing, right? Right. Um, but nonetheless, you know, it, it wasn't to be. And, you know, he had a heart attack eventually and, and he passed. He never woke up from that heart attack. And when I talk about diabetes, it is with my friend Mike's like memory in the back of my head that I never want to put people in a position where they think better high than low. I don't like, yeah. like I'm going to err on the side of caution because that's sometimes like it hasn't for you and it doesn't seem like it ever would, but it becomes a slippery slope for other people. Where, hey, Scott, yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm not going to BS you like, yeah. I mean, that's how I've thought in the past. I, um, I would imagine. And and with yeah. incredibly good reason, like I said, from where you came from, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm so, I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, oh. Yeah. It's, and and uh, I'd be lying if I said, you know, I, I'm terrified of diabetes killing me. I mean, it, you know, it's, you know, 20 plus years already. And you don't, you don't really know what it's done to your body, you know, and, and right. I'm only 35, you know, 36 you know, if, if, if there isn't a cure or, you know, if I don't take care of myself, like it's a scary proposition, you know, 20 more years down the road. A thousand percent. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's only, it's really the only reason why I brought this stuff up with you earlier. And it wasn't because of you. It's because I have the added, I don't want to say pressure because I don't mean pressure, but maybe it's responsibility. I'm not certain, but there are a lot of people who are going to listen to this. And yeah. so I don't want to, I never want to feel like I'm saying, yeah, it's just 150. Let it be at 150. Because what happens to people is 150 becomes 160, it comes 180. Then all of a yep. sudden 200 is only 100 points higher than it's supposed to be. And and then they, they kind of tumble down that rabbit hole and they lose track of it. And I am telling you, again, I don't have type one, but this podcast is incredibly popular for a reason. I don't think it's my razor sharp wit. So um, <laughs> it's because of how we talk about using insulin and how effective it ends up being for, I think most of the people who listen. And so, yeah. and and so I'm, I just want people to know that there is a way to use your insulin that doesn't lead to issues like that. Now, most people are not going to be doing a triathlon or not working out like you every day. I'm not saying you're not going to, that that couldn't possibly happen to you. Obviously it could. If you just jumped into it without having settings, 
in the right place and really understanding, you know, the insulin use and stuff like that, which I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying if a person did and didn't have that, they would put themselves in a problem very quickly. Um, And I don't know what it's like to be by myself and feel like hopeless and lost and helpless like that. Um, And I can't imagine it's not the scariest thing in the world. You know, so I get get all sides of it. I just I, I think that people should in general also get all sides of it. And then make a decision. Based, yeah, absolutely. You know, based on what they want to do. Um, I that got very far away from. There's a really cool Facebook group where people ride virtually that have type one diabetes. I'm sorry, which I do. I hope people check out if you're a like a Zwift user and you don't know about this. Then yeah, and I mean, go. even if you just want to join, want to join the group, and and you have a bike and you you want to ride inside, like just join the group and and experience it. If you don't like it you know, you can always leave like they're they're some of the most supportive people I've ever met in my entire life. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's vastly positive. Like if there's something negative said, said in there, um, you know, it's, it's taken care of, not that, not that things are, you know, not that it's just a rosy proposition, um, that you can only say nice things, but you know, if something, if something is said out of line, people are going to say, Hey, like, you know, why would you, why would you say that? And I think it's just a general understanding in there um, of just like-minded people that want to be healthier and want to be better. And, and biking is just one Avenue to, to hopefully help. And then, you know, if you have questions, just ask, yeah. um, you know, someone probably has had an experience or, you know, has something that, that might be able to help. Um, and, you know, I, I'd rather have too much information or, or too much or, or an ability to ask too many questions than not have any. Yeah. Well, you're preaching to the choir here because, um, the, the, the Facebook page around the podcast, I, I manage the same way. Like, I don't like, I don't, I don't really manage it at all. I, I look, you're a bunch of adults act like adults, yeah. you know, have conversations, be nice to each other. The rules of the, um, it's it's I wonder if I can't just find them very quickly. Hold on a second. How do you figure this out? Group <laughs> moderation. It's like, oh, group rules. Here here's rule one. Be nice, be helpful, be human. Treat people the way you would be treated. If you break the rules, then I'm gonna have to kick you and I don't want to be involved in bullshit. <laughs> like, yeah. so like, like that's how the rules go. You know what I mean? It's, like, it sounds yeah, it sounds like the same thing. Yes, over, yeah. My over rule number three is we're at. if this community becomes a pain in my ass, I'll delete it. <laughs> like yeah. you know, just like please don't make me involved in pettiness. And it turns out it's never been a problem. And I think for similar reasons to what you're describing, because there was a catalyst that brought everybody together. They listened to the podcast already. So they yeah. were they were very similarly minded. They come together and now they find themselves thinking about things similarly. So there's no real reason for them to fight. They just help each other. It's wonderful. It's one of the, I can't believe I'm saying this, but creating that Facebook group is one of the, was one of the top hundred best things I've ever done in my life because I watch how it helps people. Yeah. And and stuff like that is like, I'm not on Facebook. Like I don't post anything on my job. The only reason I'm on Facebook ever is for racing. And we have, you know, we have groups of every team has their own messenger group and the teams I'm on, like I talk to people on there, but I I don't check Facebook outside of that. 
if I didn't have this, I, I probably wouldn't be on at all. Yeah, you and um, I are the same exact. Corey, I'm a grown man. I don't want to be on Facebook. <laughs> it's not every time I open it up to manage something for it, I remind myself I am managing a group for the podcast. I am not on Facebook. That's how I feel. Yeah, about exactly. It. Yeah. So it's very similar to when I post something on Instagram. I think to myself, "Oh, what am I? Fifteen? You, you know." Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, uh, but I, you know, it's a great way to reach people and. It's a great way for people to reach each other. And I think that right. all that I think, like, I'm not denigrating it. I think it's wonderful. I just, I feel a little too old to be on social media like that um, <laughs> at, at times, you know, but it does a wonderful thing for people as the podcast does. And I bet you your writing group does and, and so yeah. forth and so on, you know, I love teasing you about being married. That was fun. Um, oh, that's, hey, that's okay. I'm I'm still in the early stages, so I can take it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. It had none of those things landed with any real honesty for you. So you're like, ha, 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 ha. I'm still living the yeah, dream. Yeah, yeah. T- Fifteen years from now, when I tell you, Corey, you're not allowed to go ride your bicycle on the weekend. You'll be like, but but I'm an adult and I work hard. And I'll be like, nah, that's not how this works, Corey. Shut up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Uh, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you were hoping to? Yeah, I, I just actually wanted to, to plug our racing teams, if that's okay. So um, really our biggest race group, uh, it, it's called WTRL. And basically they do team time trials. So that's uh, every team can be up to eight riders and you ride as a team mm-hmm. um, on different course routes every week. Um, there's about uh, 4,000 riders every week. I think this past week there's 700 teams. Um, they're divided up into what's called coffee classes, which are kind of broken down based on ability level. So in essence, there's four of those. Um, and the top 10 teams in each coffee class um, get promoted to what's called the Platinum League. And that race is shown on YouTube with commenters like a legit broadcast where they bounce from team to team, talk about, talk about how teams are racing, talk about backstories. Um, And and our teams are wildly successful in that Uh, this week. I know we have three teams in the platinum league. Um, So it's not just like our teams are there. You know, some people do ride just to have a little bit of competitive, but they aren't out to win. Um, one of our teams that I raced on two weeks ago, we set a course record and and won um, our coffee class. Wow. Um, and and we finished we finished third or two weeks ago. We we set a course record. Last week we finished third. Um, we've been in the platinum league for the last twenty two out of the last twenty three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have some legit, seriously good bike riders. Um, you know, throughout. Um, so if that's something that interests, you know, jump in, um, the people that do the commentary, um, to be honest, they love our team. They always talk about type one diabetes on the broadcast, um, talk about how, you know, we, we use the platform and the exercise to, to help keep ourselves healthy. And we were featured on the broadcast last week for about two minutes, which doesn't seem like a lot, but, you know, for an hour long race with, hundreds of teams, you know, we were one of the ones they picked out um, and focused on. So, um, you know, I just have to really shout out, uh, you know, all our, all our TTT teams um, and how well they do. And, you know, we do other things too, for world diabetes day, we did a 20, we, we do every year, a 24 hour relay. So for 24 hours on world diabetes day, um, you know, you'll find a pack of team type one 
in Zwift and we have our own um, custom kits, um, jerseys that were made up for us. So, you know, if you're riding in there, you'll, you'll see someone, it's fantastic. Um, you know, we, we had people that rode 24 hours straight for the entire time. So, you know, we're doing outstanding things and, and people notice and, um, you know, if you're hesitant, just join, I, I guarantee you're going to love it cool. and, uh, you'll love the group and, you know, we're always looking for people to race. So, um, you know, nice. and enjoy the fun. I appreciate you sharing that with everybody. That's excellent. It really and Scott, is. If, yeah. if, if you want to get a bike trainer, <laughs> you're, you're in. Hold on a second, Corey. <laughs> I got to cancel this podcast. You want me to ride a bike? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, uh, I, uh, I'm giving my life here for this. I sit in this chair a lot <laughs> to get this accomplished. <laughs> um, it really is. Uh, that's very kind of you. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to do the very American thing of ignoring my health right up until it's about to kill me, and then trying to do something. About it. <laughs> that is very American. That's my goal. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just want to. I'll see. It's like it's like hiding from a bear. Like I just want to see it over the. I'm like, oh, there it is. Now I'm going to learn how to shoot a gun right now. You, you, yeah, you yeah, just so. you just got to be the the per the person in front of the slowest person, so the bear doesn't get you. Yeah, that doesn't work with heart disease as well, but. Um, <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Um, no, no, I, uh, I appreciate that very much. I, um, wow, that it seems so outside of who I am that it's hard for me to wrap my head around while you're saying it. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I think it's possible. Coming back to what we talked about early on, um, it's a really, it's a really similar thing. My son plays baseball in college, and my free time is spent supporting his endeavor or watching it. Um, and it really is interesting how much at certain, at the times of year when being outside would be a good thing, it takes up and then it makes those other months very focused on getting the other stuff done. You don't get to during that time. I'm sure he won't play forever. So when that's over, who knows, maybe I shouldn't laugh. Maybe I'll find myself in my basement, riding a, a bicycle, getting a sore on my ass. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see you. Oh, see me or the sore? What were you going to say? I, I missed. Oh that. no, 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 you! I do not want to see the sore. <laughs> and, you... and for anyone, and for if this makes it on, do not look up what it looks like on <laughs> on Google Images. What should they not Google? Uh saddle sores. Okay, yeah, don't Google not, saddle sores. Yeah, do not, do not. But real quick, uh, make sure you click on the links for the advertisers before you. Google saddle source because I don't want you to get confused and <laughs> start vomiting before you've done the other things I've asked you to do during the ads. Because um, everyone's going to look now. I'm not. I just want you to know I will not be looking. I don't care and I don't want to know. <laughs> but uh, that's fantastic. Corey, uh, I really appreciate this. Thank you so much. If you hold on a second, um, I'll tell you about those other episodes and you can. Uh, okay. Yeah. I was actually care. wanting to ask yep. you about that. Hold on one second. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G V O K E G L U C A G O N dot com forward slash juice box. And don't forget to go to touchedbytype1.org. Click on the Programs tab, go to Dancing for Diabetes, and get your tickets for the Dancing for Diabetes extravaganza happening on November 13th, 2021. I want to thank Corey for coming on the show and thank all of you for listening and sharing the Juicebox podcast. I'll be back soon with more.